0: You're listening to Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, a podcast all about pop culture that these brilliant ladies enjoy. So, heat up your kettles. It's Tea Time. Hello, everyone. I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea. And you are listening to Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, a proud member of the geek to geek Podcast Network. And on this week's episode, we will be discussing the young adult fiction novel, Wildcard, by Marie Lu. Wildcard is the sequel to Warcross, which we talked about back in episode 69, back in like April. Yeah. Uh, which feels like a million years ago. Uh, but before we... St- Start this week's book club style episode. Chelsea, what have you been doing this week?
1: I've been watching a lot of TV, uh, cause, uh, I've been on my own in the nighttime. So I've been watching, uh, basically started binge watching BoJack Horseman and I'm already to like season four. Wow. This was only a few days ago. Oh my God. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's really, really good. I really like it. Like the first season, I didn't really know what to think about it, but then the more I went on, the the more I realized how deep it was, and I was like, "Oh, geez!" Like, because <laughs> it's a lot about depression. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And it, boy, does it hit on some heavy topics in a very interesting way. I mean, it's a cartoon comedy, and the main character is a horse. So you look at it yes. and think it's ridiculous, but like, yeah, it's just, it's a lot deeper than you think it is. And it's very good. Um, I've also been catching up on obviously all my TV shows now that it's fall. Like, it's like, you have to like, can stay, you have to stay consistent. Otherwise you lose track and <laughs> things yeah. start falling off and you're like, Oh, I'm six episodes behind. <laughs> yeah. Um, but legends of tomorrow has been killing it and I can't say it enough. I, it, it just straight up has accepted that it's ridiculous and it's amazing. And I love it. Nice. (laughs) It's just so funny, Katie. It's just really, really funny. Um, And I also went and saw burn the stage, which is the BTS uh, YouTube series that was turned into a movie and released to theaters. I don't know if they did it there. What did you not know about this?
0: No, I'd never even heard of this.
1: Yeah, so they had a YouTube red series last year that followed them around in their con- like through their um their Wings tour, which was their last okay. uh, tour. And they kind of re-edited and made it into a movie and then released it to theaters here in the UK and a couple of other countries. I don't know where else. I just know it for sure it was here and so I went and saw that. It was me and a bunch of 12 year olds. I'm not going to lie.
0: That's great. (laughs) I love it.
1: I'm pretty sure I was the oldest one there, which is unfair because I think if I went to like the one in London, it would have been better. But for sure, like this location, it was like, there weren't even any parents sitting there with their kids. Like it was just all these 12 year old girls who had clearly just gotten dropped off. And the entire theater was just filled with the, (laughs) you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Apparently it is out here. Oh, it is? Oh. You should yeah, see if you can, can go see it. It's really good. I, well, I mean, I'm busy later, so I can't. But. Oh,
1: that's true. But I mean... Oh, I guess but today would be the last day, huh?
0: Today is the last day, I think. Yeah. Bomber. I mean, I could go at like 9.45 tonight. Well, well there <laughs> so you go. it would probably just be me
1: yeah. <laughs> in the theater. I'm sure you, it wouldn't be, because you'd be surprised. Um... But yeah, that was that was uh yesterday. Yeah, and then after that I went and hung out with my friend Eva and we watched The Princess Switch, which is the new Netflix Christmas movie with Vanessa Hudgens. Um it it was good, but it was like it was not good. It was like good in the sense that it's not good like or the opposite, oh, I, I guess. It's not good, but it's good. <laughs> it's If anyone's watched The Christmas Prince, it's like that, but Oh, it's, it's horrible, but you love it. It's, it's not like good quality, you know, movie, but it's, you love it. You, you love watching it. So anyone who likes Hallmark movies. Yeah. Yeah. So me. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Morgan. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, But it was fun. It was it was fun because like everyone's getting into the Christmas spirit here, obviously, because they don't have Thanksgiving here. So there's no for them. It's like no cutoff in terms of like because, you know, how people in the US are like, God, I can't believe you're celebrating Christmas before Thanksgiving. Whereas here they don't have that. So they're like pretty much as soon as Halloween's up. They're like, boom, full Christmas spirit. (laughs) But it's been kind of fun. Everyone's getting in the Christmas spirit and it was a nice cozy evening and it was nice so oh, katie what have you been up to
0: um well if you remember last week how we mentioned that we thought nobody liked our podcast anymore yep mm-hmm. um and then all these people were sending us messages being like no we still listen i'm subscribed it's because there's a bug in our analytics with squarespace yeah way to go dude! so basically i'm everyone's qa person now QA4s, you know, Squarespace for my job whatever. So Squarespace is working on fixing our analytics. So it turns out that Squarespace doesn't love us, but our listeners do. Yes, so thank <laughs> you everyone. Yes, thank you for letting us know that you still love us, which is great. Um I was like there has to be a bug because I'm subscribed to our podcast, so there should be at least one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, but also this week, uh, I got to hang out with Tracy from the Dawson speak podcast, a podcast about Dawson's Creek. Heck yeah. Uh, we went to see Tom Hanks talk at an event in LA and it was literally the greatest thing on the planet. Uh, he came out with a book of short stories that he wrote that are, uh, they're fictional, but they're, like, semi-based on real things that have happened in his life. It's called Uncommon Type, Some Stories by Tom Hanks. And all this did was solidify how much I really love Tom Hanks, to be honest. He was funny and a great storyteller, and I can't wait to read the book. And it was amazing. And I had a lot of fun hanging out with Tracy because I've only hung out with her one other time. So obviously I need to hang out with her more. Mm-hmm. And because a lot of we talk about different stuff, but a lot of time we talk about Dawson's Creek because she can't talk to Charles about stuff that happens later because spoilers. Yep. Um, so it's super fun to be able to like talk to her about Dawson's Creek and talk to her about like how excited we are for Charles to get to a certain point to talk about certain things. Um, and I'm super behind on their podcast, so I'm, like, working on catching up still. Very good. Um, the only non-fun part about that was that I got stuck in a parking structure in Little Tokyo for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't fun. Why? Um, so the parking structure that's next to the uh, venue that the event was held at, they only have one entrance and one exit, and... You can prepay for your parking before you get to the like the arm, but I didn't. Most people didn't know where the prepay like machines were, so everyone was paying at the arm, and everyone that went to that event that drove a car parked in that structure. Oh, uh, so it was just taking f- that long for
1: people to leave.
0: Yeah. So, uh, I got to my car and didn't back out originally because there were like a bunch of cars, and then. 30 minutes go by and the cars behind me didn't move. Not one moved. So uh, I just sat in my car and watched like videos on YouTube or read this book that I had recently been given that was autographed by Tom Hanks. (laughs) Well, there you go. Was it nice? Uh, Yeah, it's a good book so far. Um, the stories are really good, but it was just exhausting because, like, I didn't get out. I got to my car at, like, 945, and I didn't leave the parking structure until 11 p.m. That's, that's so,
1: really late, yeah.
0: Yeah, it took a very, very long time. And everyone was really angry about it. And then, like, some people were just resigned that, like, they weren't going to leave soon. So they went and, like, searched out some place to eat in Little Tokyo, which is probably something I should have done. But, yeah, did you have dinner? Uh, no, I did not. I didn't have dinner until I got home where I went to Jack in a Box oh. drive-thru. Um, I will say, though, it only took me 40 minutes to get home from uh, Little Tokyo to my house, which means that I drove like 90 on the freeway, which is bad. Eh.
1: I usually would do that when I'd go to your house, too.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, ah, hey, open um, freeway. <laughs> Sled foot just Wah. i was like oh are we racing is that what's happening puts car in sport mode <laughs> um let's see last sunday i went to cal i don't did i talk about that i don't think so disney i went to disneyland with matt mm-hmm, you did and michelle and anthony and it was super fun um it was the festival of holidays so there was like a bunch of weird not weird but like it was a bunch of food, like some things were a little like uh, odd dishes, but they were trying to be like multicultural. So there was like dishes from all over uh, places all over the world that they were trying to celebrate. So that's why it's called the Festival of Holidays, so that they could bring in um, different holiday inspired foods from different countries and different alcoholic beverages that were also inspired by <laughs> Very different nice. places. So some of the food was like things you've heard of. Some of the food were like, uh, more uncommon things, which was pretty cool. Um, then I had, I had lunch with Colleen and Michelle this week. I haven't seen Colleen in forever, which was super fun. We went to Umami Burger, which I hadn't been to before. Hmm. I did not have the impossible burger. I had a real burger, so I still can't comment on how an impossible burger tastes. I would be interested to try that. Apparently it, Does all of this Michelle had one and really liked it. So Hmm. yeah, because I've heard it's really good. Yeah. Uh, And then that same day, Michelle and I also had drinks with Brian. (laughs) Very good. That was on Friday. Uh, And then for my geekery this week, I am almost caught up on Riverdale. I only have one episode left. I watched three episodes yesterday with my mom. I, I I need to catch up as well. Yeah, so I only have one episode left to be caught up on, and so I'm really excited. The show's great. Uh, there's a lot of magic stuff, which is just... It's more ridiculous than you could possibly <laughs> understand. Actually, you do, because you watch Riverdale. So yes. it's, like, absolutely ridiculous. Yes. Um, And then the uh, Michael Buble album came out mm-hmm. on Friday. So did the reimagined... The Greatest Showman epi- uh, album came out with like different people singing the songs. Yeah, um, I got some. I got some mixed feelings about that album. Let me just say. Oh really? I would like to hear. Yeah. Um, some of the songs were just awful. <laughs> I oh, didn't like, like which them ones at all. Um, I didn't like the Years and Years version of Come Alive. It was too like pop. Like, if you hear the original one, it just didn't fit with, okay. like, what the song is about. Um, I've come to the realization that I don't like James Arthur's voice. Okay. So, I kind of hated the version of Rewrite the Stars. Like, it came on, and Michelle and I were like, uh. <laughs> just not, not good. Did you like um, Sarah Bareilles'
1: version of Tightrope?
0: I did. It was much slower, though, than the original, um, but mm-hmm. it was good. She did a really great job, and I love... Uh, Kelly Clarkson did a great job with Never Enough.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Uh, Panic at the Disco killed the great yep. show, so I loved it. Um, I really liked Max and Tay Dolla Sign's version of The Other Side, mm-hmm. which was really good. Um I did not like the Zach Brown band's version of from now on. I was like, Zach Brown band is not my favorite anyway. So they could have gotten anyone else to like sing that. And I don't, I don't know. But uh, Michelle and I were talking about who we would have wanted to sing. Rewrite the stars mm-hmm. other than James Arthur and like Anne, Anna, Marie, the, the one, the woman who sang Zendaya's part. Her voice is beautiful, but, like, it just didn't go with, like, James Arthur's voice, so it didn't sound that great. Uh, Michelle was like, I wanted to see, she was like, we should get some Lady Gaga on this album. I was like, ah, you mean, like, Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper singing Rewrite the Stars? Like, let's do this.
1: Yeah, that'd actually be not bad.
0: Yeah, so um, I have mixed feelings. If other people have mixed feelings or think that I'm wrong, please let me know in a nice way. Oh yeah, um, but Michael Bublé's album is great. I'm so jealous that Karen got to meet him. She like went yeah. to his star ceremony and got to shake his hand, which she described as uh, soft and warm yet manly. Right. All right. <laughs> which is which is exactly how I would describe Michael Bublé as a person. True. Yeah. And uh, and I. Uh, had a very busy day like busy work schedule so I didn't I spaced on getting pre-sale tickets to Michael Buble so Monday I am desperately going to try to get tickets for me and Becca so we can see him live in concert I'm gonna try but anyways that's been my week um. don't forget to head over to geek2geekcast.com to check out the other podcasts on the network and keep listening now to learn a little bit more about those shows
1: I'm Void and I'm Beach, and together we're the geek to geek podcast well, we make it it is kind of us, but I guess it's separate. Every week, we pick a topic from geek or digital culture and chat about it for a while. And you're invited. We talk about books and movies, games, comics, the internet. Or really whatever we feel like. Yeah, that too. So look for the geek to geek podcast on iTunes. Or wherever your podcasts are sold. Or downloaded.
0: Or whatever. Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek, too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each
1: week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek.
0: And we are back. So, as I mentioned earlier, this week we'll be uh, doing another book club style episode to discuss discuss the young adult fiction novel Wildcard by Marie Lu, which is the sequel to Warcross. Uh, this novel was released on September 18th of this year, so actually not that long ago. So, it hasn't been too long. Uh, we were both looking forward to this novel after we read and loved the first novel, so we were waiting. F- we actually like waited a significantly long time to talk about this to be honest yeah but it kind of fell where that was like we'd already picked a book for uh september and then also i was gone for like the majority of october so it didn't work until now exactly but it's fine it was worth waiting for yes so on goodreads out of 7,973 ratings, Wildcard has a 4.06 out of five stars. I will say that the reviews were mixed. Um oh, that's okay. for sure. well uh, the first the first review that I read about this book, someone said, When I die, I want Marie to lower me into my to lower me into my grave so she can let me down one more time. I was oh, like, dang. That is rough. <laughs> I was like, wow, I definitely is, don't feel that way
1: about this book, but dang. That is harsh. That is really harsh.
0: If you go on Goodreads, that's the first <laughs> review for this book. It's brutal. I was like, I don't feel this way at all, but no. damn.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. I've read such worse sequels. Like, calm down.
0: <laughs> I know. It really It Yeah, for sure. But anyways, so uh, Wild Card pretty much picks up uh, where Warcross left off. Um, So (laughs) I'm reading my notes, and I said, what is this good about? (laughs) I was going to say, I was like,
1: I don't understand this question.
0: (laughs) It's a book. It's a book. God. Okay. So (laughs) what is this book about? Um, According to Goodreads, this is like what they put, which is basically the book jacket. It says uh, Amika Chen barely made it out of the Warcross Championships alive. Now that she knows the truth behind Hideo's new Neuralink algorithm, uh, she can no longer trust the person she's always looked up to who she once thought was on her side. Determined to put a stop to Hideo's grim plans, Amika and the Phoenix Riders band together only to find a new threat lurking in the neon-lit streets of Tokyo. Someone's put a bounty on Amika's head, and her sole chance of survive, for survival lies with Zero and the Black Coats, his ruthless crew. But Amika soon, soon learns that Zero isn't all that he seems, and his protection comes at a price. Caught in a web of betrayal with the future of free will at risk, just how far will Amika go to take down the man she loves? And, yeah. So this book was crazy, to be honest. Yeah. Um there will be spoilers for this novel clearly because we're going to spend time talking about the entire story. So if you want to read it, pause this now, quickly go read this book and then and come, come back. back. <laughs> or keep listening because you know we don't tell you how to live your life. Exactly. So, first of all, did you enjoy this novel?
1: I did. Uh I read the majority of it within like two or three days. So I very much enjoyed it. Like it wasn't one that I struggled with at all. I very much like picked it up and started reading and just kept reading. Um, It's, I I feel like it's very different to the first one in terms of pace. And I don't know, It, it makes sense once we get further into it, but I thought it was like, it wasn't just more of the same it felt a little bit different to me, which I kind of liked and I enjoyed Mm -hmm. it. And that's where I'll leave that.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel the same. Um, I will say though, that like in regards to pacing, uh, it did feel slow at some parts, I will say. Um, especially when we were like diving deep into Hadio's brother's memories. Yeah. I felt like that took a thousand years. Like it was chapters. I was like, "When is this over?"
1: It I agree like that that's what I mean by like the pacing. I felt like the first book took over like the entire book took place over a few months whereas this book took place over like a week. Does that make sense? So it felt very like No, I mean, if you think about it, that's what happened, right? It's only a week. It was only a week. Because I feel like this book went on for months. No, because didn't they wow. only had they only had like a week until his That's plan right. went into action, and then the second yeah. his plan went into action, they only had like
0: mere minutes to solve it. That's true, because they uh, they only had till the start of the war cross closing championship closing ceremony. Which was ten days from the beginning of the book. It was eight eight days, ten days. It was either ten or eight days.
1: Yeah, I feel like it was ten, but I'm not extremely sure. But I mean, not roughly a week. I mean,
0: yeah, it was roughly a week until because the whole their deadline was when the beta lenses got the algorithm update. Yeah, exactly. But but think about that. Like
1: so much happened, but yet it was such a. Like, like for one week to be drawn out into an entire book, it was like, whoa,
0: yeah, wow. I knew, I knew that the time frame was short, but I didn't like actually like think about it. Yeah, I feel like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, I did like it. I just felt like I felt as if the pacing was a lot slower in certain parts, so it was a bit of a struggle to get through certain parts because I just wanted to move on. That was the thing. Um, But if anything, that kept me just reading, because I was like, well, what happens next?
1: Exactly. That's kind of how I was as well.
0: Yeah. So what did you think when you first started reading about what the algorithm was doing? Because we had an idea at the end of the last novel when we found out about what the algorithm did but we didn't really have an idea of what the repercussions of it were, but you get that within the first like few chapters.
1: Yeah. We, we knew that it was going to stop people from basically doing bad things, but like that was very vaguely the idea of what we knew. Um, but we saw like people were turning themselves in for crimes that they either, you know, did recently did way in the past. Um, like the you know FBI's like most wanted people were coming in and turning themselves in uh people like the actual current crime had like dropped dramatically uh mm-hmm. people were i don't know it was just, but then also people were obviously committing suicide because of either the guilt or the fact I don't know, like, I'm assuming it was the guilt of what they did. And they figure that that was, I guess, the way to deal with it instead of turning themselves in. But it was a it was pretty much what I expected was going to happen when we left off with the last book.
0: Yeah. Um, I think the thing that did shock me was whether or not it was true, because they did discuss it, but they never actually came back to it, was whether or not people that didn't do bad things were actually ending their own lives. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the algorithm was controlling your free will, because yeah. it wouldn't let you do anything that the algorithm considered bad, per yeah, se, Yeah, even Which- though it's it's not, like it wouldn't be considered bad. So a lot, I feel they had discussed it, that there could have been like, that this was a repercussion that people felt like their life was worthless because they basically had no free will. Mm -hmm. And they never circled back as to whether or not that actually was. But I think,
1: I think people didn't know that they were being controlled. They just knew that like, this sudden like guilt about what they had done or what they'd wanted to do was bad. And therefore like, that's why they were turning themselves in to me. It it seems like people committing suicide would actually go against what the algorithm should have been doing. Cause wouldn't you think the algorithm would, would not give them that choice to, to do that?
0: I don't think that maybe the algorithm didn't consider that. And maybe, yeah, the out like the glitch in the algorithm was that
1: it was making them want to do that, but also not stopping them from doing that.
0: Possibly. Yeah. It's a whole like diving into the psychological side of it because part of it I think people felt like their life wasn't worth living if they couldn't because they couldn't figure out why. They yeah. were feeling as if their life wasn't under their own control. Mm-hmm. Which I believe is something that you can like you can feel.
1: Yeah, but I I don't think they knew like the re like the only people that knew that this was going on were the people closely in development for it and like the different uh people in charge of like like the different countries and governments who were wanting to like, did you find that fascinating that different countries were like coming to him and being like, hey, could we have like a a different regulate like set of regulations of what the algorithm considers bad? And like, oh, yeah. we'll we'll pay you this amount of money to have like lower uh you know uh I don't know, lower regulations of crime or whatever. Which I thought was interesting because it's like, wait, you want people to like do a little bit of bad things? Like <laughs> I mean, either way, like the whole thing in itself to me is is not good at all. But it's just interesting that a country would come to them and be like, Hey, could you let like
0: something slip by? <laughs> like Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's very, very strange and very it it has a lot of like both psychological aspects as well as your thoughts on morality like ethics and 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 ethics and uh but also to see the genius behind something that's written like that oh yeah it's crazy insane so uh how did you feel about amika deciding to join up with zero and the black coats at the
1: beginning of the book i definitely was all for it because i bought into the fact that These were like a vigilante type, you know, group that was trying to fix it. Like, I mean, remember how we felt at the end of Warcross? We were like, we were like betrayed by the fact that he had done this and that, you know, his brother was the one that was trying to like stop it. And we were like, whoa, like, this is so interesting. Like, it it was to us, it was like a plot twist that he was actually like this, this guy who Amika had been after the entire book, who we thought was the bad guy was actually kind of the good guy in the end. So with that thought leading into this book, I was like, Oh yeah, well of course she would go work with them to try to stop him from give, like, you know, having mind control against these people. So at the beginning, yeah, I was all for it. But obviously events happen that you things are revealed.
0: (laughs) Clearly, we didn't we didn't realize certain things until much later, which I mean, that just shows that she that the author is really good at getting you to buy into exactly what Amika believes because she thought the same thing. Because she felt like she had no other choice because she had already tried to talk to Hideo about getting rid of, like, stopping the algorithm. Exactly. But he was so one-track mind focused on finding the person who kidnapped his brother or hopefully finding his brother Mm -hmm. that he wouldn't listen to her. That he felt like the only way for, for there to be good in the world was for people to not be able to do bad things and his mind, this was the only way to fix that.
1: That was, and it's like, that is such a skewed way of thinking about things. And it just really does shock. I mean, I obviously know they had to have that happen for the plot. Like, but it's just like for a guy that smart to think that narrow mindedly, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, well, we'll just make people not do bad things. And it's like, yeah, yeah, but like think about that for more than a second. <laughs>
0: like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's part of because he was just so focused on his entire life has been about oh, yeah. finding his been, brother. Has been built based on what happened in his past. So like his brother getting kidnapped is the whole reason that uh like we came to this moment and I have to go get my cat out of my room yeah, because I think he's was... crying.
1: Did you hear that? <laughs> I heard him,
0: yeah. That's great. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> okay. So let's move on to our next question, which is how long did it take you to realize that Zero wasn't actually a real person? <laughs> okay. See, I'm terrible at seeing things coming.
1: I am very much a reader that is like... I'm following with what the main character's thinking. So I didn't see it coming until it happened. Like
0: straight up. Yeah. No, I, I, when she realized is when I realized. Yes. I was today years old. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what it is. Um, yeah, totally. When that happened, I was like, what? That, That was a really good
1: plot twist. I thought.
0: Yeah. Because,
1: like, I genuinely thought it was his brother.
0: Yeah. But then, like, she when she goes back and thinks about all the times that she saw him, she only either saw him in, like, in the Dark World or in Warcross. And then she never saw him. Like, the first time that she actually saw him in the real world was only around when, like, if Taylor was in the vicinity or something and like, he never touched her. He never came close yep. to her. And when he stood around, like he didn't, when he was leaning, he, she said he was leaning against the wall, but then when she thinks about it, she looked look back and it was like, Oh, well he actually wasn't touching the wall. It's because he's not real. Yes, exactly. He has no physical form. It's crazy. Which
1: like blows your mind. Doesn't it? Just like,
0: <laughs> Yeah. But, and then it became super depressing knowing that the only part of Hadio's brother that exists is his mind. That yeah. his brother's or his physical memories. form. Yeah. His memories and his mind are the only things that exist. That the rest of him, like, his physical form, like, the person that he was, like, died. Yeah. It's just depressing. It's very depressing because it's... <laughs>
1: It's not like, oh, just his body is dead and he's living on. I mean, it's really like it's a computer who's taken in his memories. And it's like an algorithm, essentially, like his brother Mm -hmm. has become an algorithm that can take on a form. But it's not physical. It's like, ah, it's just there was a lot of deep like discussion I feel like at the end of the book when Amika was saying like when she saw her father and said like you know he he looks as real as the you know the day he was alive when I saw him but only because that's the way he lives in my memory and so therefore that's the form he can take you know with with the algorithm and everything but that's exactly how Hideo looks at his brother you know He's as real yeah. to him as, you know, her father is to her seeing
0: him in the memory. And it's, yeah, it's this like line between where reality exists and where virtual reality exists, yes. which they do kind of talk about a little bit at the, towards the end where it's trying to figure out where real life is and where your real life mixes with what's not real. So, yeah. which means that, uh, because everything is connected to those Neuralink lenses or glasses, that means that if she wasn't wearing them whenever, uh, whenever Zero showed up, she would actually not see him. Yeah. Because he doesn't actually exist in the real world until later when he has that machine body mm-hmm. that they create, that was created for him. Um, that, like, he wouldn't actually exist, so he couldn't actually hurt her anywhere Yep. Uh, if she's not wearing those uh, Neuralink lenses. Yep, just virtually. Which is, like, just blew my mind when that—I like, he's not real? Are you serious? I know,
1: I know. Like, it, it's just so fascinating to think about, honestly. Yeah. Because, like, the whole point of, like, why this was all created, like, not the Neuralink, but, like, you know, zero— is that the doctor Taylor wanted to like the thought of her dying scared the crap out of her. The thought that she could just one day not exist, like freaked her out to the point where she figured out basically how to live forever, but not her physical form, but like to take her mind and her intellect and to carry it on through virtual reality and computers and algorithms and like, but but like that's where you get into like ethics and morals and like is like should we live that long you know should we keep our minds and keep going in that way or like and at what cost and that and she yeah. she like there was she took all the cost is what i'm trying to say
0: <laughs> like yeah i mean cuz that definitely that leads into my next question because in this we learn the reasoning behind why Zero was kidnapped as a child. Yeah. So we learn the reasoning behind it is that Hadio's brother was actually dying. Yeah. And he was put into this program thinking, like his parents put him in this program thinking that it was for a super innovative, new uh, experimental cure for whatever disease it was that he was dying of. And... But in reality, that's not what it was. It was the only way you could be in this program was if you tested extremely smart, and his brother was even smarter than he was, mm-hmm. and he's younger. So he tested off the chart on, on intellectual ability. So what she was trying to do was figure out a way to take his mind and turn it into data. Exactly. And put that... So that he could continue to exist even after he was dead, which is exactly what happened. Yep. And if it didn't work and he did die, they could blame it on the disease that he had. And that's exactly yeah. why. They only picked sick children. Yep. And which is where we got the new character in this novel, Jax. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you like her? I liked her. Oh, I definitely liked her. You know
1: who I pictured her as? Who? Uh Bex Taylor. Oh. Like, that's who I pictured when I was reading the book.
0: Oh, my God. Wouldn't she make such yes. a good Jax? Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. She would have been amazing. She would be amazing. Oh, my God. I love Bex, too. Yep. I love her so much. Oh, my God. I have God. no that's idea really why. Exciting. I
1: just, like, pictured her because, like, she's just, like, I don't know. I, I could picture
0: her being an assassin, <laughs> like, in a good oh way. <laughs> like. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that Jax's story was very sad, which is... Oh, yeah. Which she got... She was a sick, very smart child who got adopted by Dr. Taylor. Mm-hmm. And she was put through all the same rigorous, terrible stuff. And she ended up surviving her sickness, but and she became an assassin. And she was, like, damn good. She was like, very, very good. And
1: what was sad is that she, like, had... She... <laughs> Like she knew nothing else and she had no, she didn't have parents. And so, you know, this Dr. Taylor, like basically was like, I'm your mother now. And like manipulated that because then Jax would still like, kind of have trouble like betraying her. Not that, not that she, I mean, she ended up betraying her, but like, she only like, she stuck with her this long because she manipulated her into being like, well, I'm your mother. I take care of you.
0: Yeah, you know. it took her a long time to come to the realization that that zero was more of a reflection of Taylor of Dr. Taylor than it was of who he used to be. Yep. But she could always see like his existence still within there. Yeah. So that was the that was the biggest part of this book was like it transformed into figuring out a way to get to like Hideo's brother inside of Zero. Yes. So like they were like two separate people almost, and it was trying to figure out if somewhere inside of Zero's mind, locked away in this like room, is where, uh, like his brother existed. It was and it was almost like
1: because like the older he would grow up, they were trying to cut off his emotions and just keep his intellect. And so yeah. they were, like, with all the tests that they did, like, they would see how he would react emotionally to, like, you know, like, the scarf and his brother and, like, his parents' names. And so eventually, Zero became basically a version of him without his emotions. But Jack yeah. could still see that deep down, like, those emotions were there, but they were just buried really deep.
0: Yeah, and every so often... I want to say, I don't know how to pronounce his name properly. That's why I just keep I know, calling same. him Hideo's brother. <laughs> I think it's Sasuke. Yeah, I think so as well. I think that's how you sell, say it. Um, but every so often, like, he would pop up. Mm-hmm. Like, when uh, she got into Zero's mind and she saw a memory, and Zero was like, oh, I didn't mean for you to see that because he didn't show it to her. Sasuke did. Yep. He showed it to her. And he also lit the way for them to try to get to him when they made it inside of Zero's mind. Mm-hmm. Uh when they were playing that game of Warcross. Yep. So that was like cool, exciting, all on its own. Yeah. Um, but I did I want to talk about how Amika and Hideo got back together <laughs> okay. and like okay. they they <laughs> like hooked up, which was like made me so happy. It did because
1: like Obviously, we felt so betrayed at the end of the last book because we were like, oh, no, like, in actuality, he was just doing that. He, like, ended up doing this really bad thing. We thought he was a good guy. But, like, it turns out, like, he is. He was just really blinded by his passion to find his brother yeah. It, and he, you could see, like, throughout the beginning of the book, like, he did feel that guilt, and he did have that worry that what he was doing wasn't as good as he thought, and he took Amika's words to heart. Um, Whereas if I think he'd never met Amika, he probably would have gone full force with the plan with no remorse, yeah. you know? But he, he had definitely changed as a person because of Amika, and he saw things with a bit... like clearer eyes and so of course yeah i did want them to get back together Mm -hmm. like they built this like super intense relationship in the first book and you were so invested and like yeah you know you could really like you could see that deep down he was that person that we all saw in the first book yeah so and i liked it i liked it
0: (laughs) and he still cared about her so much uh, like, when she got drugged by Jax, like, of all the people that she could have called, like, she called Hadio, like, three times. Yes. And he, like, was super worried about her. He didn't know what happened. And then they got in that fight, and I was really upset about it. Um, but even she was worried about, because of the fight that they had, that if he would talk to her again, mm-hmm. and, but no, like, deep down, like, it wouldn't have ama- What did, what did, uh, Hammy say? She was like, but you standing in front of him in this beautiful dress, like, he'll forgive you. And I was oh, yeah. like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. So. I was very happy about, like, them finally, like, like, being together. Yes. But then, like, they're not together at the end, which, like. Well, but I But I mean, he's also going to be under. Well, I don't know. It's kind of hard to know. We'll, just, I think we'll discuss the ending towards, yeah. Yeah. So. How did you. Were you shocked when, uh, when Doctor Taylor got hooked up to the Neuralink and the algorithm? Did it shock you that he like murdered her, or did you see that coming? When it
1: happened, like I didn't see it coming. However, I wasn't shocked. Okay. It seemed it shocked me more that that's what Zero wanted. If that makes sense. Oh yeah! Like it didn't shock me at all that Hideo like was like, "Yeah, this this chick's going to die," uh, because she kidnapped yeah. my brother. But then when Zero was like smiled or smirked because that's what he wanted, he wanted Hideo to react that way and to do that. I was like, "Wait, wait, what?" Because this is when like the plan starts to unfold. That yeah, you know what I mean. Um, so yeah, I, I wasn't shocked. Cause like, wouldn't you like? Like he was willing to take away everyone's free will to find his brother's kidnapper. Of course, he was gonna kill her.
0: (laughs) I think. I think the most shocking. Like, I wasn't shocked that he killed her, but I feel like the most shocking part of it is that we didn't really understand. Like, no one really understood the full ability of the algorithm itself. Yeah. Like what its capabilities were because he literally like zeroed in on her link to it and said die. Yeah. And her mind basically exploded. Yeah,
1: dude, that's scary. Cause like, then you think about it, like he could have done that to anyone or just like exactly. a mass, like a mass group of people. He could have just wiped yes. out like the human existence as we, as they knew it. Like, yeah, it's really
0: scary. Yeah. That was probably the most shocking part about, like, his actions was we really didn't understand the full ability of the algorithm until that moment. Um, But I will say, though, that I did not expect Zero to go all, like, uh, (laughs) corrupted by the one ring, Frodo, Lord of the Rings all over everyone. No, the (laughs) ring is mine. Yep. Kind of deal. But, I mean, I didn't expect that, but when you really think about it, it's not too shocking that that's what ended up happening. Yeah. Because we started to already see um, just the real plan behind the curtain when Jax really, like, showed us, like, showed Amika and us what their true plan was, is that Taylor wanted control over the algorithm, not to destroy it, but to use it. Yep. So, if we're thinking that Zero is, has become this emotionless kind of a robot, mm-hmm. that picking up what she's like is not surprising. Yeah. That a lot of the things that he said and did, that Zero did, were actually just a reflection of of Taylor's beliefs. It feels actually very, um, when you think about it, like, in... Uh, for something you have seen, Age of Ultron. Mhm. Like how uh Tony Stark was very scared about the future and wanted just wanted to protect us, but how uh uh Ultron took Tony's feelings and warped them into the only way to do protect us is to save us from your to save you from yourself. Yeah, kind of deal. And that's basically what like It was becoming like that, where, like, her mind completely warped the way that Zero thought. So he was literally just a reflection of her, but in a much scarier fashion. Oh, yeah. And it, like, ended up getting her killed. (laughs) Like. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, that was pretty, that was pretty frightening. And, like, when he took over the algorithm, so anyone... Which was really interesting. So the beta lenses did their update when the closing ceremony began. And so anybody that had beta lenses were now supposed to be linked to the Neuralink. But right as her lenses were updating, she released that hack Mm -hmm. against Zero to try to destroy the algorithm. But it didn't work. But what it did do was cause like a glitchy thing to occur where her... Neuralink lenses didn't get linked to the algorithm correctly, so she was still free, and anyone that she had actually linked with was also free. So that meant, like, all of the Phoenix Riders, and then shocking, Jax as well, because she had linked with her, yep. and also hideo as well. So anybody that was linked with her was actually not hooked up to the Neuralink network and the algorithm and under Zero's control, which was pretty great. Yep. Um, so how did you feel about the way the story ended? Um, it makes sense,
1: uh, that obviously you would need to shut down the Neuralink in order to investigate and get the human race back to normal. (laughs) Cause like everyone was now under control and everyone knew it now. Um, Mm -hmm. And it would make I did like the fact that they did uh, charge Hideo for his actions, Um, because I feel like if this were like a movie, they'd be like, well, uh, you saved so and so. So we're just going to let you off free. And it's like, no, like he still didn't. He still did a bad thing. Like he still made an error in judgment. But like at the same time, you're 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 leaving the book knowing that deep down he is a good guy even if Mm -hmm. he did like really make an error in judgment. And I do like the fact that zero is kind of like, like, what is it? Not let off the hook, but he's still out there somewhere like that, that story like is still left open. And, uh, I like the fact that, you know, they address the issue that, okay, well, someone is going to do this. So we like, we either need to get this back up and running, but do it right. Or otherwise someone Mm -hmm. else is going to take that like space and possibly create it for good, but possibly create it for bad. So rather like, so instead they like want Amika to come in and try to find the flaws so that they can make sure that there aren't any which I think is yes. interesting, like a, a very interesting way of carrying it on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then I'm interested to hear your your uh, answer to one of your questions you wrote here, which one? about um, how difficult it would be adjusting to a world without a specific kind of technology that you've be- yeah yeah because because like this would be like the internet shutting down and we wouldn't be able to use it.
0: It would be more. I think it's more equivalent to not being able to use a smartphone. Okay, yeah, that's, that's which is true. what I I would I would equate it to. So because they shut down the Neuralink, everyone pretty much had to go back to using computers like normal. Yeah, I guess that's true. So the internet wasn't gone per se. It was just that you had to go back to basically being in a world like we are currently. Yeah. So. They went through, they had this massive update in technology to where all they had to do was put on a pair of glasses or put on a pair of contact lenses, and immediately the entire world looks different. Yeah. And you could have a virtual style of yourself in there, and like that's what everyone did. And it was easy to communicate with other people that, you know, spoke a different language than you because it was immediately translated between the two of you. So the communication was wider. Uh, getting traveling was much easier and like all these different things. And then there was an entire area of business that was completely built on virtual reality and creating, you know, uh, virtual technology and then like selling products within a virtual world. So it wasn't just that we had to go back to living normal. It was that they had to go back to living like, In a world without that. Plus, it was like the collapse of possibly thousands of businesses as well.
1: Yeah, like it it would deeply affect the economy to have
0: Neuralink completely down. Yeah. So I feel like because I mean, I remember what it was like to not have a smartphone. Oh, yeah, same. Because I grew up. Like, we grew up in a time where it was the transition between a huge technology jump into, you know, cell phones and the internet and it being Wi-Fi being widely available in all places as well as having a smartphone. So, to me, it would feel as if, like, them losing the Neuralink connection would be like us no longer being able to use smartphones. Yeah. Because it's something that we so heavily rely on in our everyday lives. Like, there are people who don't have smartphones, which is... Which is, like, which where there are people in that world who never use the Neuralink Mm -hmm. lenses. So, it would be like that. Like, not being able to use a smartphone. So, we'd have to go back to figuring out how to do things without it. Like, you could still have a cell phone, right? Yeah. But it would be, like, a flip phone that has no internet. Yeah, that only calls. (laughs) Kind of deals. And, like, you'd have to, like, pull out your computer to, like. yes yeah to connect to the internet. So it's like you don't have this one thing in the palm of your hand that allows you to stay connected to everyone at the same time whereas now you have only a laptop or you have to memorize like phone numbers again kind of deal. Yeah. So to me it would feel it'd be a very hard heavy adjustment. Oh yeah. to that. Which which is why I really liked that they reached out to her. Yeah, and that they were going to like bring it
1: back, but do it the right way. I thought that was good.
0: Yeah. I actually, so when I was reading the book, there was this one paragraph that I just kept like rereading because not only does it like kind of describe my actual job that I do, but I just really liked it. And I'm going to, I'm going to read it All right, because it's just that great. So it's actually, it's like towards like, the very end of the book. Uh, it's Amika talking, and she says, Every problem has a solution, but after every solution, there's a new problem to tackle, some new challenge it, challenge to take on. You don't stop after you solve one thing. You keep going. You find a new way and a new path. Try to do better and create better. Tearing something down isn't the end. Doing something great or better, something right is." Or maybe there isn't such a thing as an end goal at all. You accomplish something, and then you shift, ready to accomplish the next. You keep solving one problem after another until you change the world. So, like, I read that, and I was like, that's some damn good writing. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I saying, like, I read that, and I was like, dang, this is so good.
1: It's and- really deep when you think about it, because, I mean, that's kind of like life. Like, life, you have to you have all these hurdles you have to keep facing and just cause mm-hmm. you, you know, face one doesn't mean that there isn't going
0: to be many more to come. Exactly. That there's never just one solution to a problem. Yep. And then once you fix one problem, you move on to the next one, which is hilarious when I put it in the context of my job, because it's literally what my entire job is, is that I look for problems to find them to get, To be fixed, and then I just move on to the next one. What you're saying is you're a Mika Chen, Katie. Oh my God, yeah. No, no, I'm not. I wish she's gonna gonna have rainbow colored hair. (laughs) Oh my God, when I grow up, I want to be a Mika Chen. I know. Just um, but I thought that quote, like that's probably like my favorite part of this book. Was like that one paragraph. I was like, dang, this is so deep, and like makes a lot of sense for the world. That, and I loved the part where she had them play that video for Hideo when she went and talked to him after he'd been sentenced. mm mm-hmm. um, To get, to convince him to uh, help with creating, like, revitalizing the neural link and bringing it back. That was cool. Because I don't think, I think that's what he missed. Like, he didn't understand, is that he knew he did something bad. Yeah. Um but what he didn't realize is how much of an impact on everyone's lives that this technology that he built with the sole purpose of finding his brother actually did for the whole world. Yep. And she showed him that. She had even told him that that she looked up she'd been looking up to him since she was a kid. Yeah. And that something that he was a person that she admired and looked up to that's why it was so disappointing to her to find out like what his true purpose was that's why it was so heartbreaking yeah knowing how much she like not only just cared about him because of her time she'd spent with him but, admired but also him. she looked up to him her whole life and to find out that the person that you look up to is not as great as you thought yeah oh I know. Never meet your heroes, guys. I know. Never meet your heroes. Um, but yeah, I love that, like, that was the point, is that she was trying to convince him that not only, like, that he would be the best person to consult, because he created this thing, and she wanted him to realize that just how much good he did, even though he didn't think he did. Yeah. So, um, I guess last few questions, was there anything, did you have a favorite part? I don't know. What did I ask Um, that?
1: I really liked when they, like, once she linked everyone to her, once, like, the closing ceremony happened and, like, Zero went into the algorithm and, like, everyone linked up and they started playing that game of Warcross. I thought that was really fun. Yeah. I thought that was really, really cool. And I was listening to, like, some really good music along with it, so it felt like I was, like, watching a movie, but it was all in my head. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, like I could see them playing Warcross in my head. It was cool.
0: I love that even though there was the possibility that they could get trapped in there and it didn't matter. They were her team, even though she wasn't even on that team anymore, that no matter what they were there, they were going to be there to help her. Those which were some I just, good
1: friends. Let me
0: tell you. Oh my God. The loyalty and the just everything. And I was so happy that when they were trying to figure out what they were going to do outside of like war cross, cause it had become their, like it's something that they did. Uh, when uh what is it roshan was saying he was going home and and hammy was like yeah but i heard uh Tremeen is coming with you and he's like Ugh. Uh, i was uh, like uh. yes <laughs> true love exactly
1: oh, all that, that, that
0: side relationship that
1: whole storyline was really cute as well
0: oh my god i loved it and i love that like we found out exactly why they weren't together anymore and i was like this is just stupid yes But anyways, um, would you like to see there be a third book? Part of me does because
1: obviously I really enjoy this world Mm -hmm. and these characters and the story. But also I feel like I can't decide if she wrote it with the intention of a third book or not. Because I feel like it ends in a way that leaves it open Enough that if she did want to go on, she could. But it also finishes the story that you feel satisfied. Like yeah. I, I know that the story is going to go on, but I don't necessarily have to see it. It's like yes. it's like those series finales of TV shows where like they leave the story open to continue, but it's but it's satisfying and it's wrapped up and every like storyline feels like it's you know complete in a way but it's but this like life still goes on yes like the the book ends with obviously amika uh accepting the position of you know helping henka right henka games, henka games. uh and then asking hideo to, to join her and then we get the little like news uh clip what is it yeah. the, the news quote yeah. That she's the CEO. So this is obviously yeah. like a clip from the future mm-hmm. that she's the CEO and there's rumors that they're together because they were seen holding hands walking out of a restaurant. Right. And I was like, which yeah, which means yeah. he would be off of his house arrest or did they say, yeah. 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 So I'm like giving me that makes it even like more complete for me because it's like, okay, yeah. I know that they kind of like, end up happily ever after because
0: like in my head the way that i think about it is that when she's gonna set up a team you know her team is gonna be oh hadio asher hammy rashawn tremit like all these people that she's yes. been connected with this entire time is def gonna be her team yeah later um Also, like, I will say, though, I loved when uh, she got the phone call, right, from the current CEO of Henka Games, and then as soon as she uh, hung up, the phone rang, and it was was Sasuke calling her and being like, so you're gonna take the job? Because he still existed everywhere. Yeah, and she wasn't
1: surprised that... Like, she was like, oh, you heard that? And he's like, uh, yeah, I am pretty much everywhere. Of course, I picked up on the conversation. (laughs) But I like that she wasn't, like, scared or anything. She was just kind of like, oh, hey. It was like a friend popping up. And it kind of brought you comfort that, like, yes, Sasuke is, is, like, is dead. He is dead. But, like, that he could still kind of be there and be of a comfort to Amika and Hideo Mm -hmm. and Jax because remember like she said like oh Jax seems to be texting someone that doesn't exist
0: or calling calling someone that doesn't exist from jail like that kind of thing I was like it felt very her to me yeah you know like (laughs) yeah (laughs) right um but I kind of loved it. It also made me laugh because when I was thinking about that, it also made me think of, do you remember the angel episode where Phantom Dennis, the one, like the ghost that lived in Cordelia's yes, apartment, Yes, where he wasn't evil. It was, it turns out it was like the spirit of like his mom was evil, but like he stayed in the apartment and like, remember when he took her, her soda, she's like, Hey, 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 Phantom Dennis, put that back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It kind of reminded me of that. Yeah,
1: I'm just going to say that. Exactly. It's like, he like he'll still be a part of their life, even though, like, mm-hmm. it's it's technically like data working through a computer, but it's still it's still like cute.
0: I feel like it would be something similar to Samantha, right? In her, yeah, uh, the AI that the longer things go on, the more that she sort of developed, like she learns, yeah. And I feel like that is what would happen to Sasuke, that, like, the longer he spends in the internet, the longer he would learn to be something more. And yeah. it's only saved all the best parts of him. So, like, I'm kind of great grateful for that. Yeah. So, I like that. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts?
1: I, I enjoyed it. I don't understand why people were so let down. I mean, I... <sighs> I would probably like Warcross better than this only because I was blown away at the world building that Marie Lu had to do. Like she had to, she had to build this world and it was incredibly visual. Like for a book, Mm -hmm. this was such a visual experience. Like in your mind, it made your imagination work in overdrive. Whereas this one that world was already built. So there wasn't necessarily as much, but because that world was built in your head, it was like your imagination got to kind of dip back into that world and then continue Mm -hmm. on the journey. If that makes
0: sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure if like, I wasn't sure if I read this correctly, but Marie Lu used to work in the video game industry as an artist. Oh, so I'm, Her being able to build a world like Warcross was actually probably, like, perfect for her to jump from being a video game industry artist into being a novelist and being able to create a world as visually descriptive as she did in Warcross and even more descriptive in Wildcard as we sort of branched out. But I think what you said, like, Wildcard kind of gave her the ability to be more of a storyteller. Mm Mm-hmm. More than just a world builder, which she did, she spent a lot of time trying to, like, build this whole world for us to be able to visualize it in the first book. And we still got aspects of that, which I loved. Like, I loved her descriptions every time she talked about uh, the ov- the virtual overlay that you would see through the Neuralink glasses. It's as if, like, we were there kind of deal. Yes, so. Exactly. I love that. Um, I say read it and come... To a decision on your own whether you like it or not, and don't just go by reviews. Um, I don't feel the same way as that person that said that they <laughs> we lowered like her to lower her into her grave, so she could be let down one more time. Jeez, um, it is so brutal. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. Because I mean, the the story continued on, and it was still really interesting, and it was great, and it was suspenseful, and had mm-hmm. really great plot twists. Um I would be curious to know like what that person had
0: problems with. She wrote a fairly long review so you can definitely read uh-huh. it. I probably will. Goodreads. I have Goodreads app so I might go check that out, but
1: if anyone who did read this also has a you know uh differing opinion, let us know cuz I I I love hearing people's opinions like especially if they're different to mine.
0: Mhm. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Tea Time. The show notes for this episode and all of our other episodes are available on our website, teatimewithkc.com. Feel free to reach out to us via Instagram or Twitter by using the handle at Tea Time with KC. You can also chat us up on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Tea Time with KC. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, feel free to email us at teawithkc at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcasts. And lastly, don't forget to check out the other podcasts on the geek to geek Podcast Network by visiting geek2geekcast.com. And you can also chat with us in real time by downloading the messaging app Slack and joining our Slack workspace at uh, slack.geek2geekcast.com. We also have a Discord server now, uh, which we've mentioned a million times, and we'll put the invite link in the show notes so that you can join there or join Slack. And until next time... Bye. Thank you for listening. Join us next time for another cup of tea.